Hey, what's up? It's Jamie Johnson from Hatebreed. And Frank also. And you're listening to the Beer Man Beer Podcast with Keg Kettles and Johnny Benson. Rock on. This is the podcast streaming in your ear about comedy, concerts, and beer. Pilsners, bloggers, and IPAs. Liquid courage just to take the stage. Backstage pass, got to feel it right. And everyone's welcome like an open mic. Getting drunk, waiting for the last man to fall. When it's time to take a shot, we yell, Cannonball! Jokes got you smiling from ear to ear. Our beverage of choice is beer, man, beer. Get back and relax while the beer foam settles. Now here's your hosts, Johnny Benson and Keg Kettles. Beer man, beer. I'm Johnny Benson, and I'm Kay Kettles. And boy, am I excited! <laughs> I'm excited. We had a long day today. Uh, we, long day, long weekend, man. We had. Uh, we went to see Hate Breed, and uh, we got some of their delicious beer. So we're gonna go with a big shout out to the boys from Hate Breed: Jamie, Frank, Matt, Chris, Wayne, and an honorable mention: Sean Martin. Absolutely, man. Great guys. They gave us some beer. It was delicious. I gotta say, it was really cool that with a meet and greet. They were chatting with us. We, we were, you know, fist bumping, high fiving, and uh, they, they were signing autographs on all kinds of stuff that we brought. Very personable. Yeah. You know, you where do you find a band like that? I don't know. I man. think that's very hard because we've been through meet and greets and we've been shoved through like cattle. And this was like, you know, yeah. it was a stop. It was a greet. It was a hanging out. It was hey, let's, uh, you know. And that's not the end of our Sunday because we have a very special guest with us right here in the Beer Man Beer Studios. He was from 1984 to 1992 wrestling in the WWF. You've seen him in the ring with guys like Ted DiBiase, the Honky Tonk Man, King Kong Bundy, and he's from Milford, Connecticut. Give it up for our guest today, Mario Mancini. Wow, you sounded just like Howard Finkel. I sounded like that was the oh, worst listen, Howard I, Finkel. Uh, you, that was the worst Finkel ever. You <laughs> hit him right on the head there. <laughs> he practices, I'm telling you. Yeah. But let me tell you, as a kid growing up, yeah. On a Saturday morning, Here it eat, comes. eating a bowl of freaking Lucky Charms, watching. <laughs> I was so excited just to hear someone's from Milford, Connecticut on yeah. TV. And uh, I was waiting for you to get that big upset. But you know how that happened? I'm going to tell you how that happened. See, when, when I was training, Tony Altamar trained me, who was one half of the Sicilians with Lou Albano back in the oh, 60s. Oh, Captain Lou. Right. They were the Sicilians. They were the tag team champions for one night in Chicago. But, you know... I was ready to turn pro, and you know we started talking in the middle of July because I turned pro at the end of July of '84. And he's like, oh, "You're from Hoboken, New Jersey," and I'm like, "What?" He goes, "You're from Hoboken, New Jersey." I go, "I've never been to Hoboken, New Jersey." He right. goes, "I go, why am I from Hoboken?" He goes, "Because that's from Sinatra is from, so that's where oh. you're going to be from, because that's where Frank Sinatra is from." I said, okay, so the first two years of my career, you know, if you watch the match against Bundy and they'll say from Hoboken, New Jersey, right? And then in 86, um, Howard leaned into my corner and he went, where are you from? I said, what are you talking about, Howard? I'm, I'm from Hoboken, New Jersey. He goes, no, where are you from? I said, Milford, Connecticut. And he went, from Milford, Connecticut? I go, 
I wonder why that happened. And then The Sopranos premiered, and now I know why that happened. Ah. Years later, I said, oh, they got a phone call. You know, because I, you know, I'd been to Hoboken once. I, I got lost through the Lincoln Tunnel. When I got through the Lincoln Tunnel and said, welcome to Hoboken, New Jersey, I said, wow, I'm home. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Oh, that was great. Now, I heard one match where they just said New Jersey. Yeah. From New Jersey. From New Jersey. Yeah, that <laughs> must have been Canada. I used to, we used to Maple Leaf Wrestling up there. Um, a lot of times we'd go up to Hamilton, Ontario, Brantford, Ontario. We'd go up to Toronto, Montreal. We'd. You know, that, that was the time where, where the Hart Foundation came in and Vince made a deal with Stu, you know, to take his territory as long as he took care of the kids. Oh, Vince wow. took care of the kids. So we all started trucking up to Canada to, to do Maple Leaf Wrestling, the, the TV taping up there. Yeah. A lot of fun, man. Wow. I tell you. Now, um, I, we crossed paths once before. Yeah. When uh, when I was about eight years old, I saw you in the Three Brothers Sports. Yeah, so shop. You, so you said. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I, you came in shiny jacket, man. Uh, Tom Selleck mustache. Yeah, I was, I was. My eyes were like pie plates. Like I marked out. I was like, Oh my god, it's Mario Mancini. Yeah, well, I got my ring jackets from Three Brothers. All three of them, I got them from Three Brothers. And you had said that I was. Um, swinging a baseball bat because that was my first love was baseball. I really wanted to be a major league baseball player. Um, but you know, it's funny. And one of the reasons why I'm late today too, is because I was out in the field with, with my daughter, she wants to play baseball. So, um, you know, I was in there swinging the bat. He said he was afraid to come up to me, but I got all my ring jackets there from Three Brothers. Yeah, so, man. you're the yeah. second famous person I met. The first one was the Pepperidge Farm guy. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm, Pepperidge Farm guy. I think we saw him at the Big E. Oh, no, is Three Brothers him. still around? I don't think so. No, I don't think they no, are. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. No. So you're born and raised in Milford. I was born in Stanford, Connecticut, uh, and I lived in Stanford in both projects. Myona Lane and, and uh, Ursula Place um, until I was 10 years old in 76. And my brother, who's 12 years older than I am, he he was the, you know, the most successful one in the family because my father, and I wouldn't want any other father. He was a great dad, mm-hmm. but he, he had a fifth grade education. He worked in a factory. So we were destined for projects forever. But my brother was a very talented automotive technician, and he was working on commission. And um, he ended up earning a lot of money. And he said, listen, I'm going to buy a house in Milford. And I want the whole family to come with me. So in 1976, we, we moved to Milford when I was 10. In fact, that's the same brother that, you know, when I went to um, Passerola's Quest in October of 83 um, for my first day of a, a trial, if you will, at the wrestling school, I came home and he said, how was it? I said it was really good. He goes, "How'd it feel?" I said, "It felt really good." You know, I, I did really well. And he said, "Oh, so you're going to join?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to work for a year first, and um, then I'm going to I'm going to join. I'll I'll join next year in '85." And he said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, it's three thousand dollars, you know." Oh. So the wow. next day, he said, "Come on, let's go." And we went down to Passerelle's Quest. He walked up to Tony Altamar. He handed him $3,000. And he said, you better not kill my brother. And he walked out, man, and he looked at me. He was like, he had like a Superman suit on to me, man. He walked out of that gym and he goes, give it hell. And, you know, if it wasn't for my brother Bobby, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have been been a pro wrestler maybe but you know i i got in at the right time and i don't know how it would have been if i i tried to break it in 85 you know what i mean so i don't 
So you're in there in the prime time of like wrestling was huge in '85. Well, I broke in in July 3rd. I graduated high school June 20th of '84. I turned 18 on June 21st, and then July 31st I turned pro. So I was 18 years and 40 days old, and my first match was against Greg Valentine. So I I broke in eight months before WrestleMania one. Oh wow! Yeah, wow, it's good times, man. I I tell you, man, it's. You're you're in there, so you're backstage at Hogan and all them guys, right? Yeah, it took me a couple of months. I mean, because the you know I decided at the age of fourteen that I was going to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget it, man. <laughs> I'll never forget it. My best friend Dave, who has unfortunately passed away, we were we were in the backyard and and we had a tent. Uh, there was a quarter of acre in the backyard, and we had a tent, and he had a quarter keg, and uh, you know I didn't drink. I still don't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, good for you. Oh yeah. No, listen, I was, uh, I, I told you guys off air. I was going to tell you. So we're in Columbus, Ohio, just to digress. We're in Columbus, Ohio. It's me, uh, Ray Hernandez, um, SD Jones sitting on one side of the table. The other so- side of the table is Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart. And we were at a, uh, we were at a, um, a red roof Inn, and there was a, um, there was a, a ground round, connected to the hotel are you guys uh, old enough to remember yeah. the ground round popcorn the yeah right 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 sawdust on the floor. Saw the, right right <laughs> so we're at a ground round and and i go oh die coke and Nightheart orders a double jack daniels and then waitress comes back again and he goes i'll have another double jack daniels and i go I have another diet coke and the waitress walks <laughs> away and Nightheart looks at me and he goes amy and Cini, don't you drink and I go, no, I, I don't drink. He goes, you would have never made it in the NFL. And I oh, said, wow. well, well, thank God. I never went into the NFL. But wow. anyway, this tent was in the backyard, right? And it was Saturday night. And he had a keg in there. And this girl, we were 14. And this 17-year-old girl was in the tent, you know. And I was, like, really nervous, you know. And she, you know, she pulled her shirt up and shit. And I was like, wow. It's, it was the first pair of bare breasts I ever saw. All of a sudden, from the bathroom window my sister Gloria's going you better get in here right now so I run into the house and there in an empty arena is Vince McMahon talking to Bruno San Martino now while everybody was worshiping Roger Staubach you know and you know guys like that you know Terry Bradshaw and Reggie Jackson my guy was Bruno San Martino so, you know, Vince is talking to him and says, Bruno, you have an announcement to make. And he said, yeah, I've been doing this for over 20 years and it's time to step back and retire. And my mouth just dropped. Uh-oh. He said, my, my last match will be uh, in Shea Stadium against Georgie Animal Steel. And I'm the last of six kids. So the whole family's in there, you know, because my brother, Ralph, who's unfortunately passed away, introduced me to pro wrestling when I was seven years old in 1973. So I I was watching Stan Stasiak and the Mighty Igor and guys like that. So I just looked at the TV and I was like dumbfounded that Bruno was retiring. And I looked at my family and I said, uh, no, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And, and my brother, Bob, who paid for the wrestling school, looks at me and goes, yeah, and you're going to be the next Thurman Munson, too. I go, I might do that, too, but I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And I said, I'm going to be the next Bruno San Martino. And it, you know what? It just didn't work out that way. <laughs> but, but look at this Look at this resume, man. You have, yeah. you have, you were the debut opponent for King Kong Bundy, yeah. Hercules, the Heart Foundation, yeah. Demolition, who I never liked because I was a Road Warrior guy. Yeah. And The Undertaker. Demolition yeah. fan. You're a fan? Yeah. Undertaker, yeah. man. Undertaker. Mark. Yeah. Now, 
You had the first match. Ever. Ever. With him. In the WWF. In the WWF, yes. yeah, with Mark. Yeah. A lot of people would think that it was a Survivor Series, but your match was taped before, right? Yeah, that's that's the big to-do. So when Howard Finkel in, inducted me into the Joe Bruins New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, awesome. you know, that was that was one of the last things he said. He said King Kong Bundy's debut, the Hart Foundation debut, and the debut of The Undertaker, because Howard knows that that, ta- that match was taped on November 19th, 1990, right. in the Hartford Civic Center. He did Survivor Series live, and then my match went on the week after the Survivor ah. Series. So it's kind of a technical kind. Technically, I was his very first opponent, yeah. So, um, was this in Hartford? Hartford, yeah. In fact, I think I think when they put out that DVD a couple of years ago, the, the Undertaker, I think I'm the first match on it. Oh, awesome. So, um, I, I, of course, there are no royalties for that. What? Or, Where's your royalties? No. Yo, you, Vince, man. Yeah, you know what the, the WWE royalties are? No. A quarter of a penny. Ooh, Vince, man. A quarter of a penny. Does the eagle shit when you squeeze the quarter? Yeah, or what, man. Vince? A quarter of a penny. <laughs> I've never hey, pal. Yeah, Roma gets I've Roma gets a couple before. dollars still every month. Hey, know, Roma but, was a horseman, though. Uh, yeah, Roma, <laughs> Roma's my brother, man. He, he's, he's, Roma was never from this planet. I don't know where he's from, but he's the, the baseball, basketball, football, hockey. You name any sport in the world you want to name. And Paul Rome is the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Wow. He listen. He holds the highest drop kick in professional wrestling history. There's that kind of status. There's people. Well, what he drop kicked Big John Stud in the forehead. His left foot was on his forehead. His right foot was over his head. Um, when I when I was a I say kid, Rome came in late '84 to the wrestling school. So what he would do is he would he a standing jump. He would put both feet on a five feet he would he was standing broad jump be like five feet in the air um he was the lightest on his feet i've ever seen uh for a guy his size and his agility was like nothing i've ever seen he uh, i've never seen an athlete like like roma before in my life yeah man i tell you man he had that uh he was a tag team partner with jim powers right what happened to jim powers with jim powers is alcoholic Uh-oh. and he would he would r- work drunk and the only one that can get rid of get away with that is andre because andre always went in there cocked you know what i mean so brings um, me to a match i watch of yours um you were in a match with kamala kamala and andre came out the place starts going crazy Mm -hmm. and next thing you know andre's coming down right now do you know this is happening or no at that time i didn't know it was happening andre actually walked me back to the dressing room after that match which i was hoping that was on there but it, it wasn't but um yeah powers powers was always drunk and roma roma serious athlete you know and he and um you know he 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 didn't like it and they they broke apart and then they put him with ray and made him power and glory the most you know underused underestimated undervalued tag team to me in the history of wrestling because almost like they were before their time oh yeah these guys could have took it all the way man it it, it, you know they had a great finish and they could have really they could have really done a lot and you know unfortunately with wrestling there's three things first you have to be bloodborne in order to really get in there so if you're not bloodborne there's a problem. That's why the Samoans are always all right. Always God high. bless Alpha. I love Pops. Pops is the best. Either and or you have to be a freak. 
You know, you have to be a freak. You have to be that guy in the front row with your wife and two kids. And the most exciting thing you do on a Sunday is get hot dogs and chocolate milk with your family. You finally go to a wrestling show and that guy comes to the ring and you go, wow. You know what I mean? And nobody ever did that when Mario Mancini walked to the yeah, ring. Yeah, you know, wow! I did you know? three brothers. Sports yeah, yeah, so, so, so either You're a fanboy here. <laughs> either so, so the third thing you needed back in the eighties, in, in order to really make get a big push, is suck a really good dick. Oh, and I, I was I wasn't doing that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't doing that. that well, I wasn't doing that. So I kept losing. Um, so, so if you didn't have one of those three things, then it was hard to get a really big push. But, um, you know, I was there, I, I tell people all the time, listen, I, um, people get my, especially my partners, Roma and big Steve, Paul Perez, they get upset because I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm not a big deal, man. You know what I mean? I go to these, I get hired to go to signings, mm-hmm. like meet and greets. And they want they want to pay me, and then the, the the autograph is twenty bucks, and the combo is like thirty. I'm like, you're out of your mind, man. You're <laughs> out of your mind. Like I go when I go to conventions on my own. Like, you know, Mario, we'd really love you here, but I get the same t- I get the same speech all the time. I want you here so bad, but I'm over budget. You know what I mean? So I really want you to come here, and ju- you know, just I'll give you the table for free, and just keep whatever you take in. I just want you here. I'm like, okay. And people come up and go, holy shit, I haven't seen, I didn't know you come to these things. And I'm like, they're like, can I get an autographed picture? I'm like, sure. They're like, wow. they got their money out. They're like, how much? I'm like, five bucks. Wow. You know, that's, a, you know, Mario, you Man- I'm Mario Mancini. It's five bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's wow. like, uh, you know, I really don't, I really don't think, you know, it's, uh, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, a lot of guys get a lot more, but I don't, you know. I, listen, I tell people all the time, I was there for eight years. There's got to be a reason why I was there for eight years, and I was under contract. You know, jobbers don't have contracts, Yeah. you know, and I was there for eight years, and th- there are a lot of fly-by nights. There's some guy right now with his grandkid on his lap going, you want to see the match Grandpa had in the WWF? And, uh, and he's going, do you have any more, Grandpa? And he's going, no, I just had that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, you know, I have, yeah. I spent eight years there and you got a body of work. There's no doubt. I, I, I do. And I, I have to thank Jay Strongbow for that because he was like my second dad, you know, Strongbow took care of me. Yeah, the chief. Yeah. We were real mm. close. So like father and son. So I tell you now, uh, Bundy, <laughs> son of a bitch died on me. That bastard. Uh, <laughs> he died before I got to see him do stand up uh, comedy. Son of a bitch, man. I cried like a baby. Chris and I. Chris and I, when I got out, I, I did I did Chris's debut, and then before WrestleMania three, where he looked at me and I said, oh, "We're working together," and he said, "I know." And this is like the fifth time we'd be working together, and I go, "It's a stretcher," Ooh. and he said, "I know," and he goes, "You know, it's over, right?" I said, "Chris, don't say that. It's not over." He goes, "No, Mancini, it's over." I said, it's not over. He goes, what was the main, the main event last year in WrestleMania? I said, you and Hogan in a cage. He goes, yeah, what am I working this year? I go, you and a m- 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 midget. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, it's over. I said, all right. So I do the stretcher for him. And, and uh, so a promoter calls me up in 1999 um, in my office. Right. I'm like, how the fuck? 
this guy get mad. So he's like, uh, I need you to work. I go, I haven't worked in seven years. I need my timing. I got to get back in a ring. I got to get my wind. I go, I, gotta, I haven't worked in seven years. I decline. Sorry. I can't do it. Oh, wow. And he goes, oh, that's too bad. I said, well, just out of curiosity, who is I working with? And he said, Bundy. I said, well, when is it? So I went down there, and I go, Chris, look, I haven't worked in seven years. I haven't stepped in the ring in seven years. He's like, ah, all right, you're Mancini. You'll be fine, you know what I mean? He goes, I'm putting you over tonight. I go, what? He goes, yeah, just move out of the way of the avalanche, man. I'll take that big bump and just cover me. I go, no way. He goes, what? I go, no way. I'm not going over on you. He goes, everything we called the WWF New York. That's all we refer yeah. to it as New York. So he goes, everything you did for me in New York, man, this is payback. You're going over tonight. I said, I'm Mario. I said, listen, take away the friendship. Just take away the friendship. Mario Mancini does not go over on King Kong Bundy. That's like a mighty mouse going over on Superman, right? I go, it just doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. I'm doing the job and that's it. He said, you're a stubborn son of a bitch. I swear to God. <laughs> so now he comes back in after intermission and he goes, I have to talk to you. I go, what? He goes, uh, I was out there at intermission. I go, yeah. He goes, well, uh, they kind of liked me out there. I said, well, let me get this straight. I'm the heel. You're the baby face. I'm the heel. He goes, uh, do you mind? I go, no, that's fine, Chris. <laughs> so now, now, anytime I was a heel, I emulated Don Morocco because Morocco, to me, was the best heel ever in the business, ever. Didn't he beat up a guy while eating a meatball sandwich on I, TV? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was on his podcast. I was on his podcast last month. I, again, he does a podcast with Avi Klein, and I was a special guest, and all of a sudden I appeared on the screen, and Morocco goes, Avi goes, it's Mario Mancini. He goes, wow, you got old. I go, Donnie, what the <laughs> hell? You know? What the hell, man? I'm 54 years old now. I'm not 19 anymore. So, you know, we went out there that night, and Bundy took the microphone. And he goes, the place went nuts. There were 3,700 people there at the Westchester County Center. And, and he takes the microphone, and he goes, hey, Mancini. The place is silent. He goes, if I poke you in the stomach, will you go? <laughs> oh. And I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm going like this, you know, but, you know, we had a good time. And um, I said to Chris, I go, Chris, just do me a favor. Don't give me that that chop you got, okay? He goes, no, don't worry about it. I'm not going to do that. I go, listen, it was it was cool for TV, man, but I don't want it. You know, I don't want it, man. He goes, no, no, I won't give it to you. He gave it to you, didn't he? Oh, he, <laughs> he leaned me over that top rope. All I saw was that mitt. And I, I'm back like this. And I go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he just, those five, because the first is debut match. Mm -hmm. You got to remember, I'm, it was March of 85. It was three months before my 19th birthday. And I had just healed up from getting my nose broken by David Schultz. He broke it in two places. Oh, shout out to Dr. Dr. D. Dr. D, right? He broke my nose in two places. Welcome to the biz, kid, right? <laughs> in West Wark, Rhode Island. So now I go home and my mother, my Italian mother, you know, who I took her last name, her maiden name is a wrestling name, Mancini. It's a real family name. So she's she. I came home, my nose was all over my face, and she's like, oh, my God, what are you 
doing? That didn't compare, though, to, than a ring rat called my house. And she didn't hang up the uh, phone. Kate, that, Kate well, may not know what that means. Yeah, that, that, that. Well, I uh, can kind of think what a ring rat well, it was a groupie. So, that didn't compare what she told me, what, what she wanted to do to me over the phone. And my mother didn't hang up the phone. Uh-oh. And she screamed over the phone, going, He's just a baby. Right. So, you could imagine her. I'm coming home with this nose all over my face. Now I just heal up from that. And the next morning, you know, I'm at the counter and I, I just have boxers on. And she's like, why aren't you turning around looking at me? And I'm like, mom, fine. She goes, what do you mean you're fine? What's that mean? Did you get your nose broken again? I go, no. And I turn around and there was Bundy's five finger marks right on my chest. Oh. Black, blue, and purple. And she's like, who's hand is that and i take a sip of my orange juice then i go king kong bundy's uh, so yeah like <laughs> oh rest in peace king kong yeah, Bundy. chris man. chris was um he was a special guy i loved him i loved him to death and we were supposed to see each other in freehold new jersey um man. at a convention he we were I, I was so excited to see him and then three months before that thing which covid canceled anyway but ah, COVID. Well, you know three months before that yeah, I got you. Yeah. Tell you what, we're having a blast with Mario Mancini. Here's some wrestling stories. He's got a big show coming up on November 21st. We're going to tell you all about it. Keg Kettles and myself will be there. Absolutely will. And we'll have some more fun when we come back. Cannonball, 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 cannonball. All right, now, if you did a shot for every one of those cannonballs, you might be caught up to my buzz right now. Cake Kettles, Johnny Benson of the Beer Man Podcast from fucking Connecticut. Cannonball, 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 cannonball. Oh, yeah. It's Beer Man Beer. We're having a blast with Mario Mancini. Hearing some wrestling stories. You can check out Mario's show November 21st at Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. Tickets are only $5. ParadiseAlleyProWrestling.com for tickets. Keg Kettles and myself will be there. Yes, we will. Who are we going to see that night? Well, you'll see the Paradise Alley regular. You'll see the House of Pain. You'll see uh, Richard Holiday. Ah, I love Richard. Yeah, you'll see uh, Flash Waller. You'll see... Kylon King and a host of other guys, the, the whole school basically, except the rookies that aren't ready. But that's our thank you show um, because uh, we were, I was served a cease and desist from the town of East Haven the day before a show we had down there. And um, they said we weren't zoned after being there for five years. Oh, they wow. said we weren't zoned for adult entertainment. And, um, Excuse and it, it, what it did was it it coupled it, it it really coupled wrestling into massage parlors and adult studios along with uh, uh, fetish studios and then oh. it said wrestling wow. studios. That's crazy. So you know, I went to law school, so it's like I I saw a common thread there. So all I tried to say to the town was. 
you know, I understand you're following a common thread, but it's wrong. It's the wrong category and you, what you're doing. And what Paradise Alley has done was a tremendous amount of charity work and for the town of East Haven and for multiple charities. We've done a lot of charity work, literally given the charities, the gate, the whole gate. Here are the ticket sales. Here you go. That was our thing, the charity work. And, um, you know, I ended up getting 2,200 signatures on a petition from all over the world because pro wrestling is just a big family. You know what I mean? And it was ridiculous what they were saying. They were in adult entertainment when Vince McMahon went out of his way to say, we're not that kind of entertainment. We're more like Disney, you know what I mean? And, and um, Tell stories, man. Right. So um, it, the, what happened was the, the mayor really didn't know much about it, and when he found out about it, he kind of took the bull by the balls, and he took care of the whole thing. So after it was over, I made a video that said, you know, I was just overwhelmed by all the support from all over the world, and I want to run a thank you show. So, um, But I got to pay the guys for taking the bump, so... The, the the least I can do is, is you know, I decided to charge five bucks for, for the entry, and, and you get a hot dog with that. So oh, You had me at hot dog. Oh, uh, yeah, so that's our thank mm. you. That's our, And that, you know, I own Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling, but that's where you'll you'll find me at the grill, at the concessions, you know, making the food. Maybe and slinging stuff, so. steamy weenies. At yeah, the, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, they're called Mancini's weenies and Sabin sausages. So my buddy, my brother there, Kevin Sabin, um, he he mans the grill with me, so uh, great guy, man. Just, Multi-talented guy he got here. Man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, that's what we'll be doing on November twenty-first. But we have a, we have a lot of other shows coming up, December twelfth, and you know we're we're going into two thousand twenty-one. I know the numbers are spiking. Hopefully, we don't fall back to phase one. Oh yeah. But um, you know, we're, we're, we have good intentions. Okay, where did you say the wrestlers hung out at? Oh, the wrestlers used to hang out at the old Steak and Ale, which turned into Steak and Sword. And uh, based on my understanding, it was Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Oh, were you having and, Diet uh, Cokes with uh, Hulk Hogan and Steak No, and Ale? in <laughs> fact, I've had many talks with Hogan and, and back in the 80s. And actually, he, he doesn't drink Diet Coke. He's actually addicted to Coca-Cola. Oh, wow. He has a hard time putting it down. Um so he, he admitted that to me because we were talking about diet and everything. He goes, I'm just addicted to Coca-Cola, man. So I, he drank he drank about the two liters. But um, I saw Hogan a few years ago. Joe Brunette called me up because um, he wanted Hogan for the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And he knew I knew Hogan and everything. So he's like, you think you could talk to him? And I understand the line was thousands of people and everything. Jimmy Hart was with him, so... I said, that's the only time I get really kind of, I try to use the Mancini thing. It's like, I really got to stand in this line. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to stand in this line, you know? So Jimmy Hart saw me, and you know, Jimmy is like, hey, baby, how you doing? How you doing, Mancini? Hey, what's going on, baby? You know? <laughs> so, it, you know, I'm like, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Oh, nothing, baby. Just doing it, you know, just doing it, you know? That's awesome. You know? Why does Mario's uh, Jimmy Hart uh, yeah, impression he's sound like Johnny Benson? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. We're just kind of doing it, man, here with the champ. You know how it is, you know? Hey, man, be a man, be a man. So Bruins with me, and I get, correct, I get up to Hogan, and he's got his head down. Uh-oh. And the girl looks at me and goes, what autograph picture would you like? I go, none. <laughs> and Hogan looks up and he goes, Eminem, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I can't talk to you. And you know, I've been in that situation. I've been in that situation. There weren't thousands of people waiting to get my autograph, but 
there was somewhat of a line, 10, 15 people, and somebody comes up and says, hey, man. I go, hey, how you been, man? And I go, do me a favor. Get behind me and talk to me. Talk in my ear because to keep the line moving, right? And Hogan didn't say get behind me. So now the guy at the place is like, you got to move it along. I go, wait, you just got to talk to him for a minute. He goes, you know, you got to move it along. There are a lot of people. I go, like, and then all of a sudden the cop comes over and he's like, sir, you're going to have to leave. And I'm looking at Terry. I'm going, Terry. And he's got his head down and he's signing. And the cop grabs me by the shoulder. I'm like, what the fuck? Am I going to get arrested? I go, I know the guy 30 years. Leave me alone. Oh, right. So what a douchey move. I ended up leaving there and I was hotter than a motherfucker. This is why. This is why. Before WrestleMania one, one, I did a stretcher match with Paul Ordnorf, a pile driver on the concrete floor. Why? Why am I doing that? Well, kayfabe was alive and well in '84. You know, it was wrestling was still very protected. But the reason why I did that was to get Ordnorf over big for WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania, him and Orton, uh, Orton in in Piper against Mr. T and Hogan, right? You really get him over, right? That was for Hogan. I did a stretcher match with Bundy before WrestleMania two. That's the last TV taping that people saw before WrestleMania. So your job was to get everybody ready for Hogan. Re- my I at WrestleMania four, Hogan was with Savage, right? The mm-hmm. last TV taping before WrestleMania four was me doing a stretcher match with Savage. So I'm the setup guy to get killed so the guy looks stronger going into Hogan. Uh, All right? So you know what? How about a little fucking respect? You know what I mean? So if I see him, I'm going to say, what? If I bump into him, I'm going to go, Terry, what the fuck? You know? And I guarantee he's going to go, Eminem, I'm really sorry. There were thousands of people that day. Didn't mean to disrespect you. Uh, You know? Well, he's just going to blow smoke. Well, well, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, I understand. Listen, listen, listen. Bad things happen to everybody, okay? They happen to everybody. I understand what position oh, yeah. he's in. I mean, listen, I live I live a stone's throw from the beach in East Haven in a condominium that's about 1,100 square feet. I moved there four years ago out of my 3,600 square foot, half a million dollar house in Guilford because I'm getting divorced. You know uh, what I mean? But you know what? You, you don't, you know, I know Hogan lost a lot to Linda. I know he did, but sure. you know what the fuck, you know? So you know, we all wish we can go back and, and try to recoup the money we blew. You know what I mean? We oh, all want to do that, you know? I think if anybody knows Hulk Hogan that's listening, I think you need to reach out, have Hogan send uh, Mario at least a edible arrangement or something. A little little something for the effort, you know? You know, it's like all I wanted to do was have 30 seconds with the guy. That's all. And, and, uh, you know, we used to sit in the dressing room and bullshit all the time, you know what I mean? Mainly about David Schultz because he, he, they were like brothers. Hogan lived with Schultz. Yeah. And Schultz fed him, never charged him anything, lived with David and his wife. And Hogan was living outside in a Volkswagen van with, with, with beefcake. You know, and, and, you know, Schultz took him in and they were, they were like brothers, like bloodborne brothers. And then, you know, when that shit happened with Schultz, you know, he was looking for Hogan to like save him and he didn't, 
you know, he didn't. He just let him go after after the Stossel thing. You Fair know, weather friends. Well, yeah. Think about that Stossel thing. Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't he be more rewarded for what he did to Stossel than being panned for it? Well, you know? no. Listen, August 9th came, and it was August 9th, nineteen eighty four, in the West Work Music Theater. My second professional match where Schultz broke my nose, and I, I sent Schultz a message on August 9th, and I said, "Well, it's 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 uh, you know thirty six year anniversary of you breaking my nose, and." I need to thank you for doing that because back then it was still old school. It was still sixties old school style where, you know, you'd get a veteran like Les Thornton, you know, with a guy like me and the agent would go stretch him. And, you know, Les Thornton was an Olympic wrestler. So he's going to, you're, you're, you know, your head's going to be up your ass. You're going to be screaming for your mother. And, you know, they, they would really test you to see if you belong there. And if, if, if you took the beating and there was a problem, you didn't belong there or God forbid you started crying or something. So, Mm. you know, Schultz broke my nose and I got it reset. And then, you know, we went up to Hamilton, Ontario a month later for TV. And I look up, up at the board and you guys will get a kick out of this. Cause you, cause you can watch it. We can watch it now knowing the story. Mm -hmm. You'll get a bigger kick out of watching it. It's on YouTube. So I look up at the board and it says Schultz V Mancini. And I said, Oh shit. I got to work with him again. So now I go into the bathroom stall and I sit down and I go, what am I going to do? What am I going to, I'm 18 years old. I'm like, what am I going to do? Guy's going to break my nose again. What am I going to do? So I sat there for five minutes and I went, fuck it. So I went up to him. I go, Dave, you can break it again. He goes, what? I go, you can break it again. Oh, now boy. (laughs) Now calm down now, boy. It's not going to be like that. Calm down, boy. Y'all high strung. You know, your, your face just got away in my fist last match. <laughs> hey, TV, boy, we'd be fine. He goes, I tell you what, boy. I tell you what I'm going to do for you. I go, what's up, David? He goes, I'm going to apologize to you on national TV. I go, no kidding. He goes, boy, I'm going to apologize for breaking your nose right in the middle of the ring. And I was 18. I went, okay. Uh-oh. Wow. Thanks, David. Right? Sounds like a setup to me. Yeah, yeah. So now <laughs> we get announced and everything. The ring announcer leaves the ring. The bell's, the bell's ready to ring. David puts his arms out. He sticks his hand out and he goes, Mancini, I'm sorry for breaking your nose. He shakes my hand and he slapped me right across the face. Oh. Hard, too, man. And I all I did was start laughing. I said, This son of a bitch, right? But the match was fine, and what happened is, uh, you know, he went back first because the the, the jobber's got to stay and sell it. Mm-hmm. So I went back after he was there, and he walked in, and he had his hands on his knees, and he was laughing, and I started laughing, and we hugged, and, and um, you know, it, it, he did me a favor because they're looking going, he broke this kid's nose, and he worked with him again, and they're just there laughing, you know. So this kid must be a tough son of a bitch, and... Um, you know, I, 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 he gave me my, my, my hazing early, so I didn't have to go through it. And I thanked him for that on August 9th, this past August 9th. So, Excellent. yeah. What's he doing now? He's still body, body, body no, no, he's hauling cotton in Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, and, and, and he wrote a book, Don't Call Me Fake. And it does, it did really well. It did really, when, when I went to New Jersey for that convention, he was there 
I'm the, I'm the only one he gave his hotel room to. <laughs> he goes, boy, come on up to my room. And I went up to his room, I, and I, I went, David. And, you know, I had my, my rib. I had my nose covered with my hand, with my other hand out. How you doing, brother? You know, big hug and everything. And, and he hauled down probably four cases of those books. And, he you know, he barely had any left when he, when he, when he left. He sold them for 30 bucks a pop. So I, I think it did really well. Uh, and, and David always comes up with a way he's, he's made a ton of money bounty hunting. He made a lot more. He said it was a gift. What happened to him in wrestling? Cause he made 10 times more money bounty hunting than he did wrestling. So, so he's the dog, the bounty hunter, huh? Oh, he's yeah, better like, than dog, the bounty hunter. Schultz is nuts. Yeah, he's crazy. Schultz is you nuts. You don't want to be hunted by, by Sh- Schultz. Listen, I don't Schultz, want to be hunted, period. Well, well listen, Schultz, Schultz is another guy that if he loves you, he really is going to love you. And you're going to be his friend. If he doesn't like you, get the fuck away from him. Oh, hell yeah. If he don't even na- me now. E- even now <laughs> at freaking whatever, 68, 69 years old, he'll kill you. I still, I wouldn't go near that son of a bitch trying to fight him unless he was dead. <laughs> hey, Mario, did you, have, um, did you ever have the Jake the Snake snake on you? He's several times. Oh, boy. How'd that go? Great. Jake's a great guy to work with. You know, my biggest compliment, that's on YouTube, too. People have inboxed me and said, hey, man, did that hurt? And I'm like, no. It was that, that DDT looked devastating. I'm like, yeah, no. You know, Jake was excellent. And Jake would say, the first time I ever worked with him, he went, hey, kid. I went, yeah. He goes, after I pin you, make sure you got the back of your head pressed against the canvas hard. I go, yeah. He goes, you don't want Damien to get behind your neck. Mm-hmm. Then he'll choke you. You know, you don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, Jake. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Were you scared of the snake? No. Uh, I no, be. I love snakes. I, I love, I love, uh, I love all animals. That would have freaked me out. Man. Nah, man. Nah. No. Not at all. You never had to get a haircut from Brutus the Barber. Right? I did. I did. And I had a little edge for Eddie, and he knows it. He knows it. Um, there's a story with me and Eddie, and unfortunately, one of my students that came with me in Roma to the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, you know, he has no filter, and Eddie was sitting there with his wife, and he goes, oh, man, man, CD's got a story about you. And I go, no, I don't. <laughs> and his wife is like, what's the story? And I'm like, oh. Man, so we were in PA and it was a blizzard. Blizzard, right? I had this big ass 1977 Green Thunderbird. Oh, you were rocking like Doc. I was, man. I was like, I was 19. I had this big. That was a boat. Yeah, a 77 Thunderbird, right? So we come out and Eddie and I are the last ones to leave, and he had this little. I know it's not this. In fact, he corrected me when I was telling the story, but he, it, it was the size of a triumph. He had this little tiny car, and it started. It started, but it had no lights. It had no electricity, but it started. It ran. So I said, Eddie, just follow me home. Just stay in back of me, you know? And normally where I was, I was like in Scranton. It would take me like three and a half hours to get home. But that night, he was sharing a condo with Hogan off exit nine in Stanford, close to the office, right? So I had to get him off exit nine. It took me like five and a half hours to get there, right? In a blizzard, right? So 
you know, we stopped for, I'll give him this. We stopped for gas a couple times. And he said, Mancina, let me pick up your gas. And I'm like, Eddie, you know, I'm going this way anyway. Don't be ridiculous. And so it's fine. So I finally get him off at exit nine and everything. And the following week was TV taping. This was a, a house show we were at. So the, the following week was TV taping. And now I figure I formed a bond with the guy. Right. So now I go through the dressing room and I see him and I start walking toward him, ready to put my hand out. And he gave me the chin. The chin? Yeah, he gave me the chin. You know, when you look at somebody and go, eh, what's up? Oh. One of, one of the, you poke the chin out to say hello. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? I realize I got to, I got to describe it to you guys because we're on the radio. So <laughs> uh, like, you know, you poke that chin out. Hey, what's up? And he walked away and I went. You son of a bitch. And I looked at Strongbow and I go, where's Hogan? Uh-oh. He goes, he's around the corner to the right. He's got the dressing room on the right because he didn't, he had his own separate dressing room. So I knock on the door. It was, it was kind of open anyway. I knocked on the door and pushed it open and he was sitting there lacing his boots. He goes, Eminem, what's up? I go, he's an asshole. <laughs> and he goes, what? and he just dropped his head and he goes, what did he do now? And I told him the story. He goes, I'm sorry, man. I can't, you know, you can't blame me. He's just, so now it's, it's like 89, 90, whatever it is. I've had it up to here, man. I'm like, I'm a veteran now and, and I've paid my dues. I'm looking for a push. I'm going up to Vince, going, put the tool belt around me, put the hat on me. I go, call me super Mario Mancini. I'll come off the top rope. The guy will be standing. I'll spread my legs and ass bump him on the chest. Like the video game, I'm not getting a push. I'm doing all these jobs. My body at 24 is starting to break down from all these bumps. So I had an attitude. So I look up at the board and it says, you know, Beefcake V Mancini. I said, hey, Eddie, Eddie, listen to me. And I had a tail. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the mullet. I said, listen to me. Oh, we had some good moments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, listen, <laughs> listen to me, listen to me. I've seen you take the shares to the front of people's heads. If I hear that, I'll wake right up. I go, I have a, I have a tail. You can cut that and cut it even, okay? Anything else, they're going to have to cut the tape because I'm waking up. Okay. And we did the deal, and... I actually felt his two fingers scissor the back of my hair mm -hmm. right before he cut it. And he just cut right across and took the tail off. And when I came back, he was like, was that okay? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's fine. Even Ted, I mean, Ted's my brother. I, you know, anytime DiBiase sees me, you know, cause I, I worked with him the most on TV. Mm -hmm. I worked with DiBiase so much on TV that he told Pat Patterson, he people are going to think these are repeats. And he looked back at me and said, no offense, Mancini. I said, none taken. And then he looked at Pat and he goes, won't we just run an angle? And I held my breath. I go, here it comes. And Pat went, no. And that would have been it, guys. That would have been it for Mario Mancini if Pat said, all right, let me think about an angle. I was on my way. Mm -hmm. I was on my way. No more jobs. You know, but he said, no, but Ted Trey goes, why don't we just run an angle? You put me with the guy every week on TV. But even Ted, I said, Ted, listen to me. When, when you wake me up from that million dollar dream, do you really have to smack me that hard? He goes, I didn't realize I was. I said, yeah, well, well you do. So you don't have to smack me that hard on the back.
And then I look at Savage and I go, Randy, tricep, tricep. I go, this will be the fourth time we work together. You've knocked the wind out of me three times. That rib cage would be coming right from my sternum. He'd overshoot mm-hmm. me. So I go, I've seen you land that tricep on people's chests. Can you hit me with, oh, brother, I just don't want to do All right, man. I know. I didn't know. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, I like to breathe when I leave the ring. I started getting, the strong bow took me aside and said, listen, you're you're getting a little cranky here. And I'm like, well, what the hell? Some guy comes in with a, with a ripped T-shirt, with a, a ripped Yankee sweatshirt and a fucking hat and a cigar that had the same job I had. Yeah. And because he was a good cum swallower, he gets a push and I don't. Oh. And he can't wrestle his way out of a wet paper bag. There was no way he was better than me. I was a much better mechanical wrestler. Than Steve he was. Lombardi, you're talking. Well, about. yeah, yeah. He was. A, I was a much better Could mechanical that also be known wrestler. As the, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. Well, yeah, and I was a much better mechanical wrestler than he was. And uh, you know, he gets a push. And and God bless him. He stayed with the office for thirty years. Mm-hmm. I did. I did a meet and greet last month with Greg Valentine, Danny Davis, and Kevin Sullivan in Rhode Island. And from what I understand from these guys, Lombardi's like a millionaire. He's a fucking multimillionaire from being with the office for 30 years. For what? For waking up between Pat and Louie. Oh, wow. Now, don't get me wrong. Louie was a great guy. Louie taught me a lot about psychology and wrestling. Louie, Pat's, Pat's husband or wife, whatever you want to call him, he's a great guy. Louie was top, top notch. What a great human being he was. But Lombardi was waking up between them. You know what I mean? So, I, you know what? I, I tried to go on, on talent. Now, listen, I broke in when I was 18, and I spent a lot of time in the ring. I didn't start going on steroids until 88, you know? So it, what was I going to do to look like Roma, start working in the, working out in the gym when I was 12? Yeah. I mean, I just didn't have that bang. You know, you didn't look at me on TV and go, wow, that guy's really put together. You just didn't. You know? <laughs> You're like, that guy's got a great recipe for sauce. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were kind enough to say, you were kind enough to say, Tom Selleck mustache, if you look at the comments on YouTube, it says, who could forget Mario Mancini with his 80s porn stash and his pasty white skin? I mean, oh, I actually man. did that one night. I did that one night. Oh, God, I forgot where I was. Some rural town in Pennsylvania. And I looked at SD, and I was working with SD, and I was a heel. I said, SD, I'm, I'm sick of this shit. He goes, what do you want to do? I go, I don't know. So I go, go get me one of the ring guys. So I got one of the ring guys. I go, listen, I don't care where you go. I gave him 10 bucks. I go, I don't care where you go. Go get me a small pizza. I don't care where you go. So he goes, okay. So he came back with a dom- small Domino's pizza. So SD goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go out there first. And I'm going to do a leg drop right in the middle of the ring and open up the box and start eating the pizza. Awesome. I said, when you get, when you see the third slice go into my mouth, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start pointing in your chest. And then I'm going to go and you're going to complain to the referee while I'm sitting there eating the slices. And you're going to be getting the crowd going, tell them to get up. Come, let's go. We're here to wrestle, not to eat. Let's go. So I finally get up. And I'm pointing in his chest, and I go to whack him. He blocks it, right, gives me the headbutt, throws me in. I said, listen, when you throw me in, you're going to give me the, the, the haymaker to the bread basket. Don't meet me in the middle. I'll come to you. He goes, what? 
I said, just do it, SD. Don't meet me in the middle when you give me the bread basket. I said, wait for me to come to you. And he goes, I'll be near the ropes. I go, exactly. So now he gives me the headbutt. He throws me in. I'm running to him. He's waiting for me to give it to me. He hauls off and gives me that one right now. I'm right at the rope. And I just spit all of the pizza out of my mouth. And the two rows just parted like the Red Sea. <laughs> it was so great, man. He was laughing his ass off. He's trying to hide it. We were in the dress. Arnold Scolan with that big cigar. He's like, man, man, that was good, kid. That was good, good. That was good, good. That was good. I go, yeah, Arnie, you going to tell the office about it? Can you tell the office about this match? I did everything I could. Even Morocco tried to get me a push. You know what I mean? I did everything I could to try to get a push. Yeah, then your just... gimmick went to Tom Brandy with a Salvatore Sincere, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Forget it, man. It's like, I, you know what? My last match was on April 26, 1992 in Huntsville, Alabama. And that was my last argument with Strongbow. And he looked at me and he said, I can't even get my kid booked. What am I going to do for you? I can't even get my kid over. Were you? Um, did you have a relationship with Vince at all? Or? I, you know, I talked to Vince liked me. You know what I mean? Vince, the, you know, listen, if Vince didn't like me and if Vince didn't believe in me or depend on me, when I had these, these matches before WrestleMania, he would have said, not him. He would have said somebody else. It was always me. It was always me. So, you know, I never had a problem with Vince. I loved Vince. You know, a lot of people, Mother F him and everything. I love the guy, you know. The fans do now. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I love him. You know, I say every every podcast, and, you know, I was inducted in the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and, you know, Vince McMahon allowed me, operative word, allowed me to stay in the WWF for eight years. You think there's some son of a bitch in Cincinnati that knew wrestling was coming two weeks before it came and my name was there and said, Mom, you got 10 bucks? Mario Mancini's coming in too. No, I never sold a damn ticket. Nobody ever bought a ticket to come and see me on the undercard. You know what I mean? So I, it was a privilege to be able to, oh, for him to allow me to stay there for eight years. Yeah. Come on. That's not a, hey, that's a good career, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, is, that is good times. How's this beer going now, Keg? It's gone. Oh, I, I drank it. <laughs> yeah. You got a little left there. It's gone. <laughs> now, I, I just been, I'm, I'm like enamored by all these stories. I know. This, this is unbelievable. This just, just to hear these backstage stories. And I mean, me, not as a, as a big wrestling fan as, as you are, but just to hear these stories and just, I'm, 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 I'm at awe. I have to say that. Well, I'm, I'm just. I don't know. I, I can sit here like for hours and just listen to these stories because it's just just amazing. You know, when we look at you know the dark ring, is that what it's dark called? Dark side of the ring. Dark side of the ring. Dark side of the ring. Yeah. Have you watched it? I've watched every episode. You got to remember that you know the closest people to me in pro wrestling, I consider family. Are you know Paul Roma, uh, Big Steve Tracy, Paul Perez. Believe it or not, you Big Daddy, you stubborn son of a bitch. Um, shout out to Big Daddy. You know. So Paul Perez, Big Daddy, Big Steve, Roma, and um, then there are the guys that kind of land outside of that that are I'm very close to, and one of those guys is Tony Atlas. Uh, Tony Atlas is my brother. Um, you know, I can get the if I had my phone in. I, did you take the press slam from him? Get him? I did, I did, and you know where I took it? Madison Square Garden, oh, the place. That's and let me tell you something. 
I wasn't scheduled to work that night, and they were short. I went into the dressing room three times. Tony Altamar looked at me and said, where's your bag? I said, right over there. He goes, get dressed. You're working. I said, where's the dressing room? He said, are you kidding me, kid? You just went in and out of it three times. I go, I don't know. <laughs> you're 18 years old. You're going to work. You're going to work in Madison Square Garden. I'm a very sentimental person. Mm-hmm. Extremely. So now I'm standing in the ring in the garden and I'm looking at the camera with the red light on it. And I'm saying, there's some other 11 year old kid in his living room looking at me through the TV and I'm like, wow, you know, now it's me, you know, man. So it, it, you know, let me ask you this. When you're up that high, is this (laughs) no, the fun, the funny part about that is I was a good wrestling student. So Atlas got me up. All right. To his shoulders. And what you're supposed to do is put your hands on his shoulders and push down as he pushes up. It's easier for him to press slam you. Okay. <laughs> Atlas looks up and he goes, hey, kid, get your hands off my shoulders. And I went, <laughs> I put my arms out on the side and he just pressed me right in the air and just gave me that slam and then gave me a splash and it was over. But he legitimately, I was like 238 then, he legitimately just press slammed me right over his head. That's awesome. I'll tell you what. Wow. These stories are fantastic, having a good time. We'll take a quick pee break, and we're going to come back with some more Mario Mancini. And talk about the beer. And the beer, man. <laughs> we're the Harsh Twins, and you're listening to Beer Man Beer Podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're having a little beer from Witchcraft. Witchcraft Brewing Company out of Southington, Connecticut. So the beer that we're going to have is called Breed Brew, and it's named Live for This Lager. And that is a song from their Rise of Brutality album. Awesome, man. So this comes in at 4.5% ABV, and it's just a lager. But it's not just a lager. It is a very good, tasty lager. It is very smooth, crushable, clean. Um, got a little little bite to it, I got to say. I don't want to say bitter, but it does have a nice little, little twang to it. Yeah, very good, man. Good time hanging out with the band. Ron Zombie was there. Yes, he was. Ron Zombie. Ron Zombie wanted to say hi to you, Mario. Great guy. I love Zombie. Love the Zombie. I love him to death. You know, I got to say, and we were all hanging out with the band and stuff like that. They're just a cool bunch of guys to hang out with. And also coming up, coming up this November, they're going to have a release of their new album. It's called Weight of the False Self. And you can go on to uh, uh, martyrstore.net and pre-order it. So again, it comes out in November. Hell yeah, man. Shout out to the boys at Hate Breed. And they did a shout out for us too, man. Yeah, man. Much so, appreciated. Well, much appreciated. Much love, man. Follow those guys on all the social media, man. Instagram and the Facebook and all that. And hopefully, when this COVID thing goes away, we'll and get probably to go to a concert. shortly, 
we will definitely get out and uh, see more hate breed and hopefully hate breeds out it. there doing their thing you know? actually mario i took my first bump at the hate breed concert um i was in the mosh pit this past uh we were in past before covid and uh, i ended up on my back quite a bit so uh i was I, I was definitely the jobber of the pit i hope you tucked your chin you know you didn't hit your head uh yeah i did all right yeah yeah you gotta tuck your chin there but the great fall. thing was he thought he was being slick and he pushed me in uh, I did. Until I got up and I looked at him and he had the look of death. And I, I, I got my receipt. <laughs> so, sure so what, what's the history, you guys? Anyway, how many uh, years have you been? We've known each other since we we're nineteen. He yeah. was the best man in my wedding. How's that? Yeah, yeah. But I was never a best man at any of his weddings. Yeah, you know, I'm like Ric Flair. I have weddings all the time. <laughs> yeah, how many weddings do you have? <laughs> I, uh, I've had two. Oh man. Um. One one ex wife uh, I'm still very good friends with. She she now has a lovely wife herself, and uh, she's from Poland. And my other ex wife I don't talk about. But <laughs> I have three. Oh, collection! Yeah. Some people collect stamps. Yeah, I I uh, I got married. Wives. I got married when I was twenty. It was it was a glorious fifteen months, and. Um, so that ended, it was a high school sweetheart that ended after 15 months. And then I was married again for about nine and a half years. And that one we won't talk about. There we go. There's always one you don't want to talk about. And then I, I met my last one in law school in uh, 2003. And we parted the best of friends. So oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I, I won't doubt if I go to my car after I leave here and I look, she sent me some, you know, silly joke or something. You know, we're we're raising a daughter together, and we're we're the best of friends. So I'm happy about that. Oh, Sometimes that's how it works out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're better friends apart than together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and my ex, we're we're cordial. I can't yeah. say anything bad. Yeah. It's all good. Oh man. So uh, what what do you got on tap, Johnny B? On tap. Yeah. For beer? No. Oh, you got. Lightning round questions. Don't Lightning you? Round. I want to. I want to know who's the who the who's your least favorite opponent. Adrian Adonis. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that because that that's on YouTube. Yeah, and, Adrian Adonis. And you you had when he was doing the uh, kind of adorable go, Adrian Adonis. Yeah, yeah, yeah Adrian he was cross dressing. Yeah, Adrian Adonis. I'm going to tell you why because. There were guys like uh, Bundy, Hercules, uh, Bret Hart, Kurt Henning, DiBiase. I mean, we were we were peers. Mm-hmm. We were pro wrestlers in the WWF together. We were peers. And then you had those guys that went out of their way to make you feel like a jobber. Oh, like you J-word. were just not important. You know what I mean? And may you rest in peace, Adonis was one of those guys. And I understand he was Roddy Piper's best friend and everything. But, you know, maybe he should have took some advice from Piper, you know. So, um, yeah, I didn't like working. I didn't like working with Adonis at all. Well, if those know. guys were best friends, I mean, they really had the, the audience fooled because they really, really looked like they hated each other, WrestleMania three. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the business when, when you're able to work with your best friend in the ring, you know. But wasn't it Macho Man and Hogan? They weren't friends in the beginning. Well, you got to understand something. But that was all part of the Randy the, had a problem. The show Randy had a problem. Here was the problem. He was Randy. jealous, right? OCD. Oh, he was OCD to the extreme. So he everything had to be just right. He complained a lot. Yes, he locked up Elizabeth. You know, if you look the wrong way at her, like yeah, come on, dude, man, give me a break. 
You know, so it's like uh, he was just OCD. Andre hated him. He almost pulled every hair out of his head. Andre couldn't stand him. Now, you had a problem, Andre, because there was no middle road. So Andre either liked you or he didn't. You would never hear Andre say, he's okay. <laughs> no, no, he just, no, he either liked you or he didn't. And um, I didn't talk to Andre for about eight months. Strongbow said, because Strongbow was Sicilian. So, you, you know, I'm Italian. He, he, Wait, he, he wasn't an Indian? No, his mother was Indian. Oh, his, father, his, oh, father was, his father was Sicilian. So, you heard it here, folks. You know, um, you know he'd go, kid, come here. I go, yeah, because he, he'd watch me walk, watch Andre walk by me. He'd be like, he'd go, listen, don't talk to him. I said, okay. And I would sit there in the dressing room, and he, people would go, you know, that he already knew. He'd go, hey, boss, you heard boy, boss, how you doing, boss? Everybody called him boss because he called you boss. So one day at a house show, I came back from the ring, and I sat in my chair. And I had my elbows on my knees. And, of course, I was huffing and puffing because it's a house show. you got to work like 18 minutes. So Andre was, like, diagonal from me. Oh. And the sweat is just dripping off my nose, you know, onto the floor. And I'm waiting for Mike Sharp to come back because that's who I worked with. And he's like a damn machine in the oh, ring. one of my but, favorites. But we, I had one of my greatest matches were with Mike Sharp. So we really got the crowd going. So I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I hear, hey. Uh-oh. And I look over, and I go, yeah, boss. He goes, you work hard in the ring. I said, thank you so much. I don't have to wrestle another match ever. I said, I can get out of this business right now, and I'd be very happy because you just said that to me. Then I put my hands together and I said, I bowed. I went, thank you so much, boss. And he just nodded at me. And that's what I knew. I'm, I'm good with Andre. Awesome, <laughs> you know, I'm good with with that's a good guy to be in. Oh, right, yeah, man. I'm good. I'm good with Andre. Oh, that's a big breather, right? <laughs> oh, my. Listen, he, Andre, I felt so bad. He had to go to the bathroom in the bathtub. Like he could take a leak in the bathroom, but, you, you know, he'd have to like sit on the edge of the bathtub and run the hot water. And and drop a deuce because he couldn't fit on the toilet, you know. <laughs> Look at Keg's, wow, Keg's so face, man. Somebody's right. I'm just amazed. I'm like by all I'm like tapping into the keg over here. You know, <laughs> yeah, what I mean? he's I'm like just amazed by all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, just sit on this the edge. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, just sit on the edge of the tub and run the hot water and drop I mean, a deuce. The inside stories we're getting, man. Yeah, I mean, he he, you know. He would look at you and go, I'd like to be you just for one day. Just, oh, you know what I mean? He's just a pain, right? Yeah, he was a sweetheart of a guy. He just, he just, if he liked you, he just, you know, he hated it. He hated getting stared at. He hated people trying to sneak pictures of him. And, yeah. you know, I talked to a girl that went out with him, you know, for about a year and a half. And I said, How was that? And she said, Like giving head to the Eiffel Tower. Oh, boy. So, big girl. Like, <laughs> Was it a big girl? No, very tiny girl. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, how's that work? <laughs> so pick her up and spin her around. And, uh, yeah. You know, so Andre was swing your partner, dosy do. Oh uh, yeah, Andre was. Um, you know, one of the funniest stories though was you know Cindy Lauper was there and she just she just would bust into the dressing room anytime she wanted with Dave Wolf at the time her husband and there was just no rules. And she would just bust into the dressing room, and SD Jones goes, 
boss man, boss man. I go, what? And Roma's there. Boss man, boss man. I go, what? He goes, I'm going to get her. And SD was hung like Mr. Ed. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, if I had a groupie and I go, who you been with? I was when SD, I go, there's nothing I can do for you. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, so. As long as he didn't leave any V. I'm like, I, I, there's nothing. If you've been with SD, there's nothing I can do for you. So, oh so he goes, boss man, watch, watch, watch. So SD was done working. And he hit the shower and he wouldn't get dressed. He just kept the white towel around his waist. And then here comes Cindy down for the fifth time. Hi, guys. I just want to. And boom, there the, the towel went. Oh, and that boy. thing just hung down like a forearm. And she went. Uh, let me tell you something. She was much careful coming down. She was much more respectful coming down to the dressing room after that. That's it. Know your role. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cindy yeah you know what I mean? No, so, girls just want to have fun. But. Yeah. But it was like I said, I was there eight months before WrestleMania one. So I saw the whole thing, you know. Unravel in front of me. So. How about Mr. T? T, you know, I was in the garden. Um, I was in the garden. They wanted me there for the war to settle the score. Mm -hmm. So if you watch the video from War to Settle the Score, you'll see me holding back Piper. I got this. My brother gave me his leisure suit from 1978, and I'm wearing this gray leisure suit, right, ready to hit the disco, and I'm holding back Piper because they wanted extra guys there for War to Settle the Score. Um, so yeah, he took too many bumps. What was the question? Uh, guy, 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 uh, Mr. I just asked about oh, Mr. T. T. So Mr. T. Right, T was there that night, of course. It was more to settle the score. So I'm sitting in the dressing room, right? I'm sitting in the dressing room and I go, T, let me, let me grab your jewelry, man. Let me see that shit. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, Go ahead. <laughs> so I go and grab his gold and I said, this is all plastic. Oh, my God. Really? I go, it's plastic. He goes, what do you think? I can wear all this gold in New York City like this? Are you crazy? <laughs> Hell no. It was plastic. That's crazy. I said, no shit. It's plastic. It's plastic. Oh, Good. I, I, I learned. Listen, here's the problem with Mr. T and Tiny Lister. And, you know, these other guys, the problem is, is wrestling, you think martial arts has respect. Mm -hmm. It pales in the comparison oh, to pro wrestling. Yeah. The, the inner respect for each other and the business is intense, right? So anybody who came from the outside to train like two weeks to be in a WrestleMania, they didn't respect them. In fact, they wanted, there were rumors like, let's just really fuck them up. You know what I mean? So... They didn't have any respect for those guest stars that were coming in the ring because everybody paid their dues. You know what I mean? Piper started when he was 16. Mm -hmm. They kicked the shit out of him. You know what I mean? So everybody's paid their dues, and you got this guy coming in making a big payday who they showed a couple of headlocks to for two weeks. We got, The guys would be angry. Yeah. All right, so WrestleMania 11. Yep. You had Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow. Bam Bigelow, yep. So how long do you think that, that training went on for Lawrence I, Taylor? Well, not too long. And let me tell you something. Uh, Bam Bam, Larry Sharp trained Bam Bam. Uh, pretty boy Larry Sharp. And it, Bam Bam was a down-to-earth guy. Boy, he, you guys talking about drinking? Ooh. Oh, could he drink? Oh, could he drink? Oh. 
He spent a lot of time in Bridgeport, from what I understand. Well, yeah, yeah, he yeah he he came up to the school a couple times. You know, he came up to school, but you know what? Good guy, fantastic person, Bam Bam. But you know, he probably stiffed him a couple times. Watch the match again. I've never seen it. I don't watch wrestling. I've never seen it. I haven't watched wrestling since I walked away. From oh, you don't watch now? The product? No, really? product sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. So I haven't watched wrestling since I walked away in 92 wow. because of the burn inside of me. You know what I mean? It hurts. It's hard to watch. You wanna yeah, be, you it, be it hurts. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I wrestle like once a year and, and, um, it's just the most depressing thing because you know your 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 heart wants to do what you did and your mind wants you to do what you did and your body goes you can't do that anymore. You know, I take a bump from a, I take a hip toss and I'm in midair going, "Why am I in a pirouette? How come I'm not going over straight?" You know, like I got hip tossed by Big John Stud. If you ever find that, man, let me know. Oh, yeah. It was in Canada. It was during the $15,000 body slam challenge. And um, he hip tossed. I used to have it on videotape. He hip tossed me. And I would always pause it because my waist would be level with his head. Wow. That's how high I got up for the hip toss. I had, took a lot of pride in my height and my hip tosses. We all did, especially a guy like Terry Gibbs. You know, we'd always have a competition. Who got higher? We'd ask the guys, who got higher on that hip toss, you know? Um so now to go over and hip toss, I'm like, why am I spinning? What, why is that happening? You know, and uh, the last match I did was a battle royal. I did it because there's no bumps in a battle royal, you know. And um, even to go over the top rope, I went over to another baby face and I jumped into his arms. The crowd loved it. It went over so big. Rome is like, that went over huge. You you just did that out of clear blue. I go, yeah. I, there were only a few of us left in the ring, and I looked at another baby face, and I ran over to him, and I jumped into his arms, and he had me like a baby, and I said, now walk me over to the top rope, and gently place me over it, and he put, put me over the top rope, I jumped onto the floor, and I ran, when I ran to the dressing room, the whole place just went nuts and started laughing and clapping, and it went over really well, but I won't even go over the top rope anymore, which... I was famous for because I'd, I'd go over the top rope, uh, especially on TV, and I'd go back to the dressing room, and the guys would be like, nobody goes over the top like Mancini, you know what I mean? So, Do you ever do anything off the top rope? I did in house shows, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was wrestling a guy named Gino Carabello, who was a very close friend of mine. Gino was a great guy. Um, I met him in 85. He was from Comac, Long Island, and, and we were doing a house show in Middletown, and we were about 12 minutes into it. And I went up to the top rope to give him a flying body press off the top rope, which I did quite often. But that particular night in Middletown, Connecticut, of all place in my state, right, I fell off the top rope onto the apron, onto the floor. And I'm onto the floor and I go, fuck, I just fell off the top rope. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I go back into the ring. Now Gino just standing there. Now he was in a stupor. He was on Queer Street wobbling black back and forth while I was going to give him that cross body. So now he's not wobbling anymore. He's not selling anymore. I felt fall off. I'm on the floor and I'm like, what do I do? I got into the ring. I walked up to him. I shook his hand. We put our arms around each other and walked out of the ring. The place popped. Wow. Cool. It's man. A, well, that's it. Done. <laughs> we're out. You know what I mean? We're, we're out. So I've been in a lot of interesting matches. Like a, 
I was working with a guy one time, a local guy, and and I threw him. I, he he got me in a head. But that's just started. I locked mm-hmm. up with him. I go snatch a headlock. I I figure we do a drop down, tackle, hip toss, you know, slam, and then he would screw, you know, uh, go out of the ring. So I go hey, headlock. Hey, I got him. I'm struggling in the headlock. I throw him into the ropes. All three ropes just collapse. They just break. And then I grab, I go over, grab him, put him in a headlock, him, take him down, and he goes, "What are we gonna do now?" I go, "Just follow me. We'll be fucking." I had more experience than he did. I said, "Just follow me. We'll be. We'll do this whole thing without ropes, man. Don't worry about it." <laughs> What's a baby face? Ah, okay. A baby face, a good guy. Now, if you talk to my, I don't know if I should call her girlfriend yet. I don't know. She might like that if I do that. If you talk to Annie. This this pretty woman that I'm seeing, she's the first person in my life. I'm this 54 years on this earth that calls me baby. She goes, you got a baby face. I go, listen, my whole life, all I got was handsome. Consistently. Now, isn't that something? Consistently. I, doesn't it burn your ass? It does. I never, it burns I ne- my ass, too. I, I never got hot. You're cute. You're, you know. Yeah. Never got that. Consistently, my yeah. entire life, you're handsome. 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 That's you're a, it. You're, you're a handsome guy. Yeah, you're a handsome guy. That, okay. uh, that's it. You're handsome. I never got anything else but that word. Now Annie looks at me and she goes, your baby face. Right? And I, I, you know, she, she rubs my face. Your baby face gives me a kiss, right? And then Annie goes on Wikipedia and looks up Mario Mancini. It says Mario, and they're off a year. It says 84 to 91. <laughs> And it says a baby face jobber. And she goes, You <laughs> told me, that? you told me nobody ever called you baby face before. You told me your whole life nobody's called you baby face. And I start laughing. I go, It's a wrestling terminology. It's not a term of adoration or yeah, affection. Yeah, yeah. It's a category. You're either a bad in wrestling, they didn't go, Okay, you're a good guy and you're a bad guy. You were either a baby face or a heel. You know, that's the good guy and bad guy. You're a baby face or a heel. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's where, yeah, baby face comes from. That's, okay. you got to remember, wrestling started in a carnival in the late 1800s. It, it was developed in, in a carnival. So you're, you're actually, as big as it is, as much of a billion dollar business Vince McMahon has, he's just running a carnival. Well, I think a lot of people say that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a carnival. Like I said, Keg is the baby face. I'm the heel on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. Man. No, you think <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. On that. I don't know. Keg kind of looks like Ray a little bit. He kind of looks like Herc a little bit. He, he's he? my Arn Anderson. Listen, man. <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of times I where think I come he, across I, as a heel, and you're the baby. Oh, he face. looks more like like Ray, her, like Ray than he, Hernandez. All right. Yeah, he, he looks a little like Ray more than more than uh, Arn. Well, he takes his shirt off. Arn was a great. <laughs> Arn, uh, there's another great guy. Arn yeah, Arn you Anderson. had a match with um, Arn and Tully. I saw, well, I, I saw yeah, that in the Tully little stiff. Oh, Tully, uh, that's Tully. all that cocaine. Right? Tully's a little stiff. <laughs> I took a picture with them last year with Tully and Barry and Arn and Roma, and we're all got the four. They go, stand next to Tully. I said, I don't want to. He's too stiff. He started laughing. <laughs> Tully started laughing. So did Arn. Tully, back in the, Tully and Arn both back on TV. Yeah, tol- yeah, yeah. You don't want nothing to do with AEW, huh? Uh, oh, what AEW? Yeah. I love AEW. Oh, yeah, I love a- AEW. You know, you know what? Well, I I choked me up because I I did scroll by because some my, my, again my brother Kevin Saban he goes, brother, please just put on AEW for me, just put it on for me, and I'm like, ah, oh, Kev, come on, God, just put it on. 
So I put it on. Guys were bleeding. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they bleed. So you know what? Good for them. They're old school. They, they, they're really bringing it back. It's it's wrestling the way it should be. Yeah. Did you get much color in matches? or? I, no. I, I did. I did. I When I dabbled in independent pro wrestling, when I dabbled in it, um, I, I bled a lot when I when I dabbled in independent pro wrestling. I, I did bleed a lot. Yeah. I liked it. Now, are there like razor blades like stored under? And I, I don't know if, tell me if I'm going a little too far with this, but are there like blades under like um, uh, wrist guards? I think and stuff Ma- like Mario, that? You, you did it the hard way, right? Well, let me tap into this cake. <laughs> let me tap into this for you. So, um, you, there's a lot of ways you could do it. My favorite way was um, on my wrist. Okay. So you tape your, your athletic tape, right? Right. You right. tape your wrist. Okay. Maybe two passes. Then you take a, a piece of tape and you tear it and you put it on reverse. So the sticky side is out. Right, right. You get a blade. Remember your dad used to shave with the one you unscrew? Yep, yep. Oh, unscrew yeah. the bottom, the yeah, wings exactly. come out, and you put the blade in. Yep. That's the blade. And then you cut the corner of that little tiny, maybe three quarters of an inch. Right. And then you take a little tiny piece of tape and wrap the bottom of it like a little tiny piece so you don't cut your finger. Yeah. You stick that on the sticky part of the tape. Right. And then you put another, then you put a tape, a piece of tape over. Oh, okay. So uh, not that goes around your whole wrist, just a tape that covers that. Right. You get slammed your head, you peel it back, you take the blade, you boom, boom. Some guys like the thumb. Um, you, you do the same thing, but it's on the thumb and the blades in the thumb. Some guys would like, I, I was always, I was always afraid I'd cut the other guy. Some guys would have that blade protruding just so out of the thumb, the tape thumb. This way, it's so easy when you get hit, you just go bam, bam. Some oh, guys did, some man. guys did that. The guys that impressed me the most, and there's guys out there that did it in the old days, the guys that impressed me the most were the guys that kept it in their cheek, in their mouth. And then they'd get nailed, and then they would just take it out of their mouth and cut themselves, you know what I mean? So, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Was there ever any thought of you going to ECW? Uh, No. You know, I'm criticized for that, and I'll, I'll gladly take the criticism because I had an attitude... This was my attitude. I'm such a baseball guy mm-hmm. that this is the attitude I had. And it was wrong. And if I had to do it all over again, I would do something differently. But when I got out in 92 and they said, you want to work the independent circuit? I'm like, no. No. You want to go to Calgary? I'm like, no. No, I don't want to do anything. Oh, come on, Mario. You're only 26. You got to do something. No, no one do nothing. Because I figured this. I... I I wrestled for the Yankees. Yeah, I got you. And now you want me to go and play for the Mississippi Mudslingers? I'm not doing that. You wanted the pinstripes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. I'm not being sent down to the minors. I'm not doing it. Because I saw it. And I and I own my own independent wrestling company now. Yep. And I have so much respect for these guys. Work their hearts out for nothing. But back in the 80s, when we got farmed out, like of me and Mike Sharp or me and SD Jones or me and Jose, my brother, love him to death, Jose Luis Rivera, we'd get farmed out to an independent company. They'd pay 
the office seven fifty a piece for us and like pay us three fifty, you know. So they'd they'd get talent, and we'd go to these independent shows. We'd walk into that dress room, and they're like, oh, "Here they come," you know. And you had some nice guys that would come and go. Hey, how is it? Tell me how it is. I want to know how it is, you know, because basically you're you're work you're 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 in the show. Right, you're in the show when you're in the WWF. So, so, but other guys had that attitude, like, oh, they think they're better than us, and you know, because they're with Vince, and I'm going to show them how I wrestle tonight, and all this other, sh-. you know, they, some of them had like chips on their shoulders. So that turned me off to independent pro wrestling, you know, or or going in there, or oh, Vince let you go. So Vince never let me go. I walked away. Oh wow! I walked away because I said to Chief, I'm done. I'm done. He goes, that's a good move. So I went home from Huntsville, and the next day, Terry Garvin called. And I'm sure he had a shot to me, for me to go to because Terry Garvin called me all the time. And my mother answered the phone, and she goes, it's Terry Garvin. He probably wants you to go somewhere. I go, I'm not here. And she goes, I'm sorry, Terry is not here. And my phone never rang again, ever. He never called me again. Um, so I... You know, if you watch, this guy decided to do a little documentary on me on YouTube. I like, watched a little bit of it. I like, didn't see the like, whole thing. choked me up, man. Mm-hmm. Choked me up. I'm like, why'd you do this? He goes, I just wanted to. I like, I'm like, thank you so much. He, that, that's so kind of you to do. But he was right. He was right. You know, I entered the land of the giants. I had no right being there. I had no business being there. I should have went to Tennessee. You, you know what I mean? I should have went there where, where, uh, uh, Jerry Lawler was okay. Yeah. A guy that's even smaller than me, right? <laughs> I should have went to Florida or something where Dusty Rhodes was, who looks like he eats four slabs of of, of ribs every day, right? If he will, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I should have went to these territories, and I would have fit in, and I probably would have na- made a name for myself. But I decided to go right there, right? You know, and then there's there's Andre and Stud and Bundy and Morocco was a a, a, a massive human being. Just ma- his his chest must have been a seventy seven. I mean, he was just a massive human being. And then you had Snooker, who was carved out of stone, and you had all these. Yeah, these guys were huge. They were they were just huge. So. You know, I decided to go right there. I did, I went from wrestling school into the WWF. When, you know, what do you want from me? You hey, know, that's a jump. Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is there a Mario Mancini action figure? You know what? Vince McMahon was going to make one because I was really aggravating him at one time, and that's why I love him because he tolerated my bullshit. Now, when I went up to him for the gimmick for the Super Mario Mancini, Strongbow had to save me. Because he goes, I would have to pay Nintendo. He goes, I go, you pay Marvel Comics. And he went, boom. His face just went beat red. His eyes got tearing. He walked away. And I went running up the strong boat. I go, I think I really pissed him off. Uh-oh. He goes, I told you to stay the fuck away from him. What did you say to him? So <laughs> I see Strongbow going up. The Vince is waving his hands around. And Strongbow's got his hands out. His hands are away. And Vince is pointing. And Strongbow's giving him the calm down thing. And he comes back. He goes, you compared yourself to Hulk Hogan. I said, no, I didn't compare myself to Hulk Hogan, per se. Yeah, yeah. He goes, stay away from him. But there's another time I went up to Vince. Oh, my goodness. I went up to Vince, and I said, hey, Caesar, because that's we called him Caesar because he was the ruler of the empire. 
That was his nickname. So I go, hey, Caesar, can I talk to you? He rolled his eyes. He goes, what, Mario? I said, can I get a doll? He goes, you want a doll? I go, yeah, my doll's special. He goes, yeah, Mario, what's so special about your doll? I go, my doll comes with two paramedics, a stretcher, and an ambulance. <laughs> and that's what he did, man. And he loved it. And he started laughing and slapped his leg. And he said, I love that. And I walked away going, this son a bitch is going to make it. And he never did. Uh, did you ever think of having, like, uh, put a porn stash on C.V. Yaffe? He could have been Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> Poor C.V. Afi, man. <laughs> you saw that coming, right? So Snooka has to disappear for obvious yeah. reasons, right? He disappeared. I'm like, Chief, I walked in, and the Tonga kid is going, Piper, Piper, Piper. So I'm going, no, I bugged the shit out of Chief, right? So I go, hey, Chief, why is he yelling Piper? Where's Snooka? Shut up and mind your business. I go, Chief. He's yelling, Piper, where's Snooka? Would you shut up? I go, Chief, you cut off an angle right in the middle of it. It's a hot angle. You cut it off right in the middle of it. He's just gone. He goes, he had some problems. He had to go away. Okay. And like Roman and I are not laughing because of the poor woman died, but we're in the wrestling school going, we knew he killed her 30 years ago. <laughs> this is big news. We knew he killed her 30 years ago. Rough sex, right? So you don't screw up an angle over it. All right. <laughs> so so now we see Tonga doing that. And and all of a sudden, CV Afi, I'm like, man, are they trying to replace Snuka and CV Afi? Poor guy, man. You good athlete put together. He just became another Mario Mancini. That was your partner against uh, demolition, oh, right? I love Barry and Billy. Barry and Billy are the best human beings on the face of the earth. Barry, I love them, and they love me. You know, they come to conventions I'm at. They see the the um, the head of the convention. The last one we did in Rhode Island, they looked when they entered. They looked at Joe Brown and went, "Where's Mancini?" I mean, that's how much we love. You know, especially Billy. You don't give yourself enough credit. Yeah, especially no, especially Billy. Because I'm going to tell you why. He is the best scientific wrestler i've ever seen really? in my life listen to me listen to me not bret hart not any of these other guys not bob Backlund. not bill Eady is the best grappler i've ever seen in my life you want to see it he was the masked superstar in the 70s watch those matches with Backlund. he is amazing and i was happy to tell him to his face you know, he is the best scientific scientific wrestler I've ever seen. You got to remember, I was the debut twice for Demolition. Twice. Twice. You know why? Nope. You, you're not a history buff? <laughs> All right. So, so, so Larry and Randy break up, right? The Moon Dogs, they break up. Ah, the Moon Dogs. So Randy, recall that. Randy makes this drawing, right? Well, now, wait, wait, is the Moon Dog supposed to be in the Demolition? Yeah, okay. Randy comes up with this drawing and he brings it to Vince McMahon and he goes, look at this gimmick. I, I took it from, from uh, he goes, I thought of it from Mad Max. He goes, look at this gimmick. It's called Demolition. And Vince goes, oh, I love that. So they bring in Bill Eady, right? And they debut. I'm debuting against Randy and Bill. 
and I'm not happy about it because Randy's stiff as fuck. Oh. Stiff. Not only is he stiff, the son of a bitch tripped me at 3 o'clock in the morning, and all I heard was, <laughs> I could have really got hurt. I'm rooming with him in, like, Pensacola, and I fell asleep first, so he took my suitcase and put it right in the path where I'd walk to take a piss. So it was pitch black, and I got up to take a piss, and I fell right on my face. I tripped right over the suitcase, and it woke him up, and he went, <laughs> "There was a lot. we haven't even gone over the ribs in wrestling, please. No, no eyebrows, no mustache. They pull your pants down, shave your pubics. Whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I can't. No, no, no. So, so, um, so I debuted against them. Then all of a sudden, Randy's gone, and here comes Barry. I'm like, that's fucked up. The guy came up with the gimmick and they gave him yeah. the boot. That's now, what was the reason that, that the people would see him and know he was the moon dog? I, I think they knew he was the moon dog, but I, it just didn't work. And, and they brought in Barry Darso. You know, he Barry is, I can't tell you how much of an amazing guy he is. He is just the best person ever. Um, but then they sent me back out there again. With the debut with Bill and 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 Barry was it the same night. No, 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 no. It was a couple of months later after they let Randy go, uh, Randy Cowley go. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe you're right because you know, I, again, I was at one of the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fames and um, and I was walking toward the Hall of Fame ceremonies. Mean Gene was getting, was <laughs> getting inducted. <laughs> To the fruity, oh, <laughs> Gene was getting getting inducted that night, and they sat next to him. <laughs> I almost got kicked out of the place because he was making me laugh so hard. I thought Bruin was gonna go Mario. You gotta get out. So I was walking toward that, and on top of the escalator was um um. Well, he's got a big podcast, huge podcast manager. Tennis racket. Oh, Jim Cornette. Yeah, Jim. Oh, Jim Cornette. Yeah, Cornette's coming down the escalator. So I go, let, let me check this out. So I meet him at the as just as he got to the bottom. I go, Jim, Mario Mancini goes, I know who you are. So I was like, oh, okay. And we walked to the ballroom together, and I almost didn't make it because that son of a bitch had me laughing so funny. hard. He's very funny. So, man. so you know, um. He says, and Mario, we would have had fun in the territory back in the day if you were in it. You know what I mean? I go, yeah, well, now that I look back, maybe I should have been in that territory. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I just, I have a blast at these things. I mean, Valentine and I were laughing so hard last month. I mean, we were Danny Davis. Forget it. You have Danny Davis on one of these podcasts. For, forget it. He doesn't say a thing straight. Not one thing straight. He is like, I love Danny. He's the best. He's the best. I'm glad he got the break he got. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he got the break he got because he deserved it. You know, I love Danny Davis. He's just he he's just a fantastic guy. A, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys were good, yeah. but a lot of guys, a lot of guys weren't good. I tell you, we, I know we could talk forever. And uh, so I got here. I got to hear just just two more things I want to bring up. One thing I watched you body slam Playboy Buddy Rose, like perfect body slam. That's a big boy. Why would you have to bring that up? <laughs> Another good guy. But let, oh, you know what? You know what? Let me tell you how I feel on that. 
Okay, let me tell you how I fucking feel on that, all right? I want you to watch that match again. Okay. I want you to watch my match against Bundy and look at my body. Then I want you to watch that match against Rhodes. And tell me what you see. You're going to go, holy shit, juice. Juice. Juice? Oh, yeah. It was juice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was was in a 242-pound weight class. I joined the American Powerlifting Association. I was competitive powerlifting, squat, deadlift, and bench. Um, I had a trainer that was uh, I trained with that was a world class powerlifter. Uh, so my traps were up against up near my ears and everything. I was in the best shape of my life in that rose match, best shape of my life. And here's the difference: I slammed that son of a bitch 317 pounds. I don't care if he gave me the hand on the leg or not. I slammed him. I held him up there and slammed him. That was impressive looking slam, man. Now let me tell you something. <laughs> If Bruno Sammartino was announcing that match, he would have said, I can't believe the feat of strength that Mancini just displayed. I can't believe that. I I never would have thought Mancini was that strong. You know what those announcers said when I slammed them? Nothing. Uh. Nothing. They said nothing. Those bastards. Oh, man. man, I tell you, I'm blown away by all the stories. In fact, that was that was the gimmick before the match. He the the, the rib was the blow away diet that he was on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, blow away yeah. diet. That's it, man. He, they were giving him a big push in the '90s, right? Trying to get. Oh, him well, back, well right? listen, well, listen. The guy dates back from the early '70s. Respect. Is he with us still or no? No, no, it's a shame. No, respect, respect the guy. You know, he contributed a lot to the business. One last guy. I, I worked with a with a wrestler. I I got the I didn't, I never wrestled. I'm just a big fan. But I got to work backstage at a comedy show where I was handing coffees to the Iron Sheik. And I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is a time where uh, I love and hate the Sheik. Right. So so listen listen. So it's like 87, and I'm I'm quite comfortable. Right. Keg's going. Go home, no, 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 no. Go home, Mancini. <laughs> Listen, I'm. Uh, it's '87, and I'm pretty comfortable after three years. Right? That's not true. So, so I go Carlin Hildegard. All right, the only place you can get pro wrestling trunks back then was K and H Wrestling, and I ordered I ordered Italian flag trunks. It the colors of the Italian flag: green, white, and red. Right, I put them on. It's TV taping. Sheik goes to take a leak. Uh-oh. He goes, <laughs> Mancini. I go, yeah, Sheiky. You wear my colors. Those are Sheiky colors. I go, <laughs> Sheik, those are, that's the Italian flag. No, no. They're Sheiky colors. You can wear that. So he goes, Pat. Pat, like a fifth grader, uh-uh. calls over Pat Patterson. He goes, Pat, look at what Mancini is wearing. He, those are his colors of the shiki, shiki colors. Pat goes, and Mancini can't wear those. Uh, so uh, I whip him off, yeah. and I look over at Salvatore Belomo in the corner, and I go, hey, Sal. He goes, what? I go, you want a pair of trunks? And I whip him at him. He goes, you want any money? I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 the other, the other one with the, with the other, the sheik, sheik, I have a bulging disc in my neck from the sheik, right? 
That's on TV. That's from the Camel Clutch? That's, no. <laughs> so I look up on the board, and it, it's Powers, Mancino, whoever I tagged with. It's on, it's on YouTube. So I look at Nikolai, and I go, Clutch? Yeah. I go, where's Sheik? I, I, I think he's in, he's in the bathroom. I go, okay. So I go into the bathroom in the back of the dressing room, and I, I'm looking around. I don't see him. So I look under the stall, and I see the little, little horns on his boots, you know, that he had. <laughs> and I loaded go, boot? I go, Sheiky. <laughs> yeah, brother, yeah. I go, Sheik, go easy, man. We're out. We're out in two matches, man. Go easy on that shit. Come on. I go, the clutch? Yeah, yeah, camel clutch, yeah. Yeah, camel clutch. I go, Sheik, go easy with that shit, man. Come on. So I snatch him in the headlock, you know, and I know he's going to back suplex me. And when you back suplex somebody, you go straight back. I start going back, and he's tipping my ass, tipping Uh my ass. I'm going, Sheik, 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 and I hyperextended my neck. And I I was like in a neck brace for a week and a half. I'm like, Sheik and his goddamn cocaine, right? So... Nikolai comes in two weeks later, and I go, hey, Nikki. Yeah. I go, you look like shit. He goes, I'm in Cena. I don't sleep all night. I don't sleep all night. I go, why didn't you sleep all night? He goes, hey, Sheik, uh, Sheik, uh, you know, he has somebody in the room, and uh, he loud. I go, what do you mean he's loud? He goes, well, I, I, I go into the room and I hear, thank you, thank you, thank you. Volkov turns on the light. Sheik's in his 69, and every time she went forward on him and reared back, he'd kiss her ass and go, thank you. How about that? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, other, you know what? Sheik. I love Sheik. Sheik was Sheik was a good guy. Sheik is a very godly man, and and he's a very respectable guy. He just the, the drugs would get him cranky. You know what I mean? That's that was the only problem with, with Sheik. The drugs would get him cranky. Other than that, you know he's he's a great. He's got a big heart. Sheik. He's a great guy. I I had a blast with him, and I was asking him all kinds of stuff. I was trying to get him to bury some of the wrestlers like he did on Howard Stern's show. Uh, on Howard Stern, he was he was uh, talking about uh, Brian Blair, Brian Blair and Warrior, the ones he buried the most. Yeah. But he he was talking stuff about Randy Savage, and, and then when I went to talk to him, I'm like, Randy Savage is he a good guy? He's like, Oh yeah, good guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, he could have just been tired. Yeah. He could have just been tired. But you know what? But he's just but the Brian Blair, that piece uh, of shit. Yeah, yeah, he, he could have just been tired. But you know, Sheik, she could have killed anybody in the ring anytime he wanted to. He's tough. Yeah, he was the. He could have killed anybody he wanted to at any time, and any. So could Andre, the toughest man on the face of the earth ever in the history of pro wrestling. Though, as everybody knows, is Haku. Yes, and we yeah. thank God I was friends with Haku. <laughs> yeah, because he could. He, he bit the nose off of someone Ooh. right off their face. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he bit the nose right off of somebody, right off their face. Did he, he ripped someone's jaw apart. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. kinds of stories about Haku. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Haku in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I didn't know how far it was. I didn't know it was 416 miles away. Terry Garvin goes, "Hey, Mario, we need you in Johnstown, PA tonight." And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I go, "Where's that?" You know, there's no map quest, guys. I'm looking at paper oh, sure. maps. He goes the Rand McNally. 
40 miles east of, of Philadelphia. You know, I think it was an honest mistake. He met 40 miles east of Pittsburgh. So it was 416 miles. I got, I got there. I left at 11. I actually got there at 7. Gorilla Monsoon goes, you're late for the call time. I'm like, Gino, what the, you know what I mean? I just drove 416 miles. So he goes, get dressed, you're working with Haku. And I didn't know I was fatigued. I swear to God, I didn't. I felt normal, but I guess I was fatigued. I locked up with Haku like a wet noodle. (laughs) And he pushed me into the ropes and he took his hand and he just buried it in my med section. I went, whoa! And he took me in the headlock and took me down. He goes, are you awake now? I said, oh, yeah, let's do this. And and we had the match, about 12-minute match, and I thought I could do a little better. So now we go back in the dressing room, and I go, hey, Aku, I owe you one. And he goes, what? I go, no, 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 no. I owe you a better match next time we work. I owe you a better match, better match. Because he, he thought I, you know, fuck that the guy would have killed me. You know what I mean? You Nobody messed with Haku, no one. You know what I mean? Wow. Amazing stories. Unbelievable. Amazing stories. Unbelievable. Wow. I tell you, let's close it off with this. Can you tell me what is the Mount Rushmore of enhancement talent? The Mount Rushmore of enhancement talent. I won't talent. say the J word because I don't want Taz to beat me up. Yeah, no, listen, the 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 <laughs> the, the the Mount Rushmore of of jobbers because you know, I'm not a human Viagra. Don't call me enhancement talent. You know what? Oh, I see. I, I thought I had the, the, uh, yeah, the nah, proper term. No, no, listen to me, brother. I'm a jobber. Are so, li- a jobber? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Now, well, listen to me. So am I. Well, listen to me. You watch Seinfeld. They're all in the booth, right? Yep. Elaine, Jerry, the other two, Kramer. And and there's a guy with a white coat on with the chef hat on, the little triangle shit, and he's wiping the counter down while they're talking. That enhances the scene. I was much more than that to me. So I'm not I'm not a human Viagra. I'm not I there to thought enhance Jobber it. was a bad no term for no. Fantasy. So here yeah, for but for my brothers like Barry Horowitz that mm-hmm. that insists on being called enhancement talent. So for me, the Mount Rushmore is this: Frank Williams, Barry Horowitz, Brian Costello, and SD Jones. Ah, uh, that's a good list. That is a good list, and you're very humble not putting yourself on there, but nah, you'd, be, man. you'd be on my list for sure. Nah, man. I, nah, I, I put myself on there. I took enough beatings. All right. Let's, so let's plug these uh, shows you got coming up. Sure. One more time. You're going to be on no, November the 21st. Keg Kettles and I will be there. So if you see us, uh, there's no beer there, right? No beer there, no. But if you see us and uh, say Beer Man Beer, we'll give you a sticker or, or a uh, coaster or something. Absolutely. <laughs> Some type of swag. I'll tell you what, though. My uh, Matt DeCourt, my... Um, my ring announcer, I'll definitely have you guys announce the celebrities there that night. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Whoa. Wow, yeah. that's an honor. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's it. That's really cool. Yeah. It's not bad being us, Keg. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we've been having a busy weekend. So yeah, there you This go. is like the cherry on top. So <laughs> November 21st at Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. Tickets are $5. And then uh, you got a big one on, in December as well. Yeah, December 12th. We got one We, we got one coming. And um, we also have a Friday night alley fight on November 7th. Um, that's quite different than our regular shows. That's also a, a $5 admission, the Friday night alley fights. What we do is bring in other wrestlers because everybody everybody gets a hold of Roma. They want to they work for us. And Roma will go... 
come to an alley fight. I'll take a look at you. And we'll we'll see you there, it, unless it, before I put you on a regular show. Because what Roma does for the business, and, and because you you nailed it on the head with Roma, right? Let's go through it. He when he first got his break, they tagged him with SD Jones. Okay, so he got a little ex- experience with SD. Then they put him on the Jimmy Powers, and then they put him on the Ray. And then he left, and then he became one of the four horsemen. Then he became tag team champions with Paul Orndorff. Then he became tag team champions with Arn Anderson. Then he went to Germany and became the European champion. So if Mario Mancini had 1,000 matches, Paul Roma had 10,000, right? So Roma makes the storylines and books the talent. And we don't step on each other's toes. So since I have the legal education, I book all the venues do the contracts, you know, make sure the insurance is in place, take care of the business, the concessions, and make sure the rent's paid at the wrestling school and, you know, make all the purchases and stuff like that. So Roma runs the show, uh, and we don't we don't uh, step on e- each other's toes. So that those alley fights are used to look at normally new talent. So to see if we want to book them for the regular shows. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So Friday night alley fight on the seventh. Then the regular show is November 21st. And we have something, we have another show on um, December 12th. And then we're even going to um, January, but we're looking at March um, to be our WrestleMania. Our WrestleMania every year is called Diesel Mania. It'll be Diesel Mania Five. Kevin Nash gonna be there? What? No, <laughs> no. Uh, Michael J. D'Angelo was a tri captain in East Haven High School, and his legs were so big they called him Diesel. Unfortunately, he died in a car accident at the age of nineteen. Oh. So we run these shows for the Michael J. D'Angelo Sports Scholarship Fund. Uh, his father John comes down and. Uh, we've ran Diesel Mania ever since he passed away. Um, we also are, are going to have a show scheduled for juvenile diabetes um, with uh, CJ there, and um, we'll raise money for them too. So a lot of things going on. I make sure things are booked, you know, every month, a couple times a month, so we stay busy, you know. Oh, actually, well, we're going to be there. On the 21st. Yeah, we'll bring some signs, you know, we'll mark out. And uh, Are you going to get in the ring? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be out with the grill. Oh, with Kevin Saban. Yeah, and some of them steamy weenies. Yeah. From Mario Mancini. But you guys, you know what? You guys will have a, a lot of fun. What I'll do is I'll introduce you to Big Steve. Okay. Big Steve is the closest human being to me on the face of the earth as a friend. We've been friends for 32 years. And, you know, you always say, like you guys, you got a best friend. Mm-hmm. Well, he in 1988, he came in at 19 years old, like, I want to be a wrestler. And we've been inseparable ever since. Awesome. Cool. That's so cool. that's 32 years. So, um, you know, but he will rip me apart all night. He will, he'll make you guys bust. He'll, he'll make you bust the gut all night. He will. <laughs> he will. He'll love. Make, he'll make you bust the gut. About. He's a great guy, Big Steve. Well, Mario, we are huge fans of you. Thank you for coming up to the mean streets of Shelton, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Milford, just different. Uh, yeah, not a problem, guys. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Oh, Keg Kettles, you gonna say good night, Gracie? Good night, Gracie. Yeah, it's Spearman Fair. We'll see you next time. Well, every evening 
Well, all my days with the suit, I call my baby and ask her what should we do. I miss oh, you, awesome. but she don't seem to dig that. And then she asked me, well, don't I visit her flat? And have some supper and let the evening pass by. My digging records, which has a groovy half hour. I see you, yeah. And that's what I say, I see you, yeah. yeah.